Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mabafia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, joined by Johnston, as always, to come to you with a bit of a weekly roundup of news, more so than anything, a bit of a chewing the fat episode for us. We've not had the opportunity to do one for for a little while, other than our review of 2021 and our boxing wishlist 2022, them first two episodes we've done this year of all had elements of, of conversations of how we felt about certain fighters, certain situations, in particular the, the boxing wish list. We had a lot of rants about certain things needing to be changed in the sport. And, you know, as the weeks have gone on, we're starting to see more developments within the sport, more news has come out, more interesting developments. Uh, and obviously there's been a couple of fights that have happened over the past two weeks. So it's all about breaking a lot of this down and having a conversation about it in this episode. And I'm excited because the heavyweights return once again and, and they come to the forefront of this conversation and that heavyweight debate about will Tyson Fury face Usyk, will he face Joshua, will Joshua have the rematch with Usyk. Just when you think one thing's happening, another thing seems to be happening. And I think that's where we're going to start the show, Johnston. I think that's the best place to start is is what's going on at the moment in, in current news. And that's the biggest talking point, I think, for everyone at the moment. It's the biggest topic, absolutely. Boxing, heavyweight boxing is the it's the one everyone talks about, even those that don't really watch boxing. They're the four names that people get familiar with if they didn't already know in Fury, Joshua, Usyk and White. And you got this, this I was about to say a triangle, it's more like a square of fighters and uh, what decisions they're going to make with promoters getting involved. We've got Dillian White and Tyson Fury having their purse bids or the purse bids is for tomorrow so they, they have to negotiate something today otherwise it's going to go to purse bids 
then you've also got Usyk's camp coming out and saying that actually they've been speaking with Tyson Fury about a potential fight and negotiations are ongoing and it's a 50-50 fight with a chance we would actually fight Joshua and then you've had this 15 million quid that apparently has been offered to Anthony Joshua for step aside money so Fury can fight Usyk. Where does that leave Joshua? He's meeting with uh, Eddie Earn today to fresh it all out. Oh, there's so many rumours, Sean. It's difficult. Where do we start, mate? I think we've got to start with this step aside money, haven't we? I think the step aside money is the biggest talking point. If many, many people on social media have been tweeting or Facebook posting about this in particular, I think because of a lot of the journalists are saying, you know, they've, they've got it from their source, whichever source that may be, they've got it from a source that <laughs> Anthony Joshua has agreed to take £15 million step-aside money to let Usyk and, Josh, uh, Usyk and Fury sorry, fight it out for the undisputed belts, then I think, yeah, that, that for me is, is the biggest talking point because since then, Joshua's obviously come out and said, well, no, I, I'm not taking no step-aside money. I've, I've not seen any contracts. I've not even heard about what's happening next. Like you say, Johnston, apparently that meeting's going to be happening as we're recording this today. So we might even come back next week and say, right, this is the, the plan. This is the landscape of the next couple of months of the heavyweight division. We might know a little bit more after after this week. We, we hopefully will. But as it stands, I suppose the debatable part of it really is, if you're in Anthony Joshua's position, would you take £15 million just to step aside to let that undisputed fight happen so that you then have this guarantee to face the winner? I mean, this has happened before, hasn't it? I mean, Tyson, I remember yep. Mike Tyson having his WBC belt being stripped of him, and that happened to him. He lost his WBC belt because of the same thing about about obviously having step aside money. I think it was Lennox Lewis who stepped aside so that Tyson and Holyfield could fight each other back in the nineties. And I think this is a similar situation here. You've got Anthony Joshua who, who's obviously lost to Usyk, lost his belts. He's not lost his worth, that's for sure. He's still a big massive draw. He's the one filling all these big stadiums. I mean, as much as I like Tyson Fury and, and what he does and what he's done. He's not the one filling the big stadiums like Anthony Joshua is, and, and I think that's that's where money comes into it. You know, does he does he step aside? Does he take the fifteen mil, or does he say no? I want this rematch. I want to prove that I am the best fighter in the heavyweight division by going out there and winning my belts back. What would you do? I mean, this is my question to you. What would you do now in this position? Would you go for it, or would you say no? That rematch has got to happen. It's a tricky one because. Are you in it for the money or are you in it for the sport? Are you in it to want to prove your worth and and take on any challenge that presents itself to you? The challenge is to go back with Usyk, go and tangle with Usyk, back in the ring, regain your titles and try and make history uh, you know, for himself and, and make a legacy for himself to be a three-time world champion. Or... Is he in it for the financial gain? Is it about money? The the you know you've got to look at it in terms of any fighter that ever steps into a, a ring or any sportsman that ever does anything in the sport. What are they doing it for? Are they doing it for the money? Is that your main aim? You know, do you want to not only he's secured his future and his family's future, but he could even go on to secure the you know. The heritage of his family, his grandkids after that will be set as well. 
So when you think about it as a family man and a business perspective, then 15 million quid goes quite far. It does. It, but the other side of it is he's already earned a lot of money. Does he want, is he in it for the money still? That It's crazy. It's, it's, are you the Mayweather sort or are you the kind of guy that's saying, I don't care about the money, I'm here for the sport? That's the question that he has to ask himself. And I know he's he he's recently come out and sort of said, I know he's mentioned the contract, but then he did say he's going to make a calculated decision, I believe. I think those were the words he used. And um, there being a number of options. So the options are take the 15 million and then what? You're going to fight someone else? Are you going to stay inactive? Are you Are going to let Fury sit carry on? have their fight and then you fight the winner but do you are you going to remain active but then you have the element of that could all fall flat on its face because who you got to fight and you could lose that fight so there's 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 obstacles you've you got to think about um uh it, it's a really difficult it just, i think what you will find from this is what joshua's real gain is uh, and what he thinks of the sport and what he wants to achieve in the sport, whether it is the financial aspect of it or if he actually wants to go and be known and, and leave a legacy in the sport, I think this decision sort of will define his career. Yeah, I think it is a, a career-defining decision because you've got to look at the what what's there on the table. What's on the table is a rematch with Usyk or £15 million to step aside to let an undisputed title clash happen and then he has the guarantee of facing the winner of that undisputed title clash, which then means he would subsequently definitely get paid, maybe even more than $15 for that particular fight, whomever that may be. So there's a lot of decisions to be made, and like you say, at this point of Joshua's career, he has made money. You've rightly pointed out, he's made a lot of money with endorsements, with fights that he's been involved in. He's, He's made loads, hasn't he? So at this point, thinking about... Not so much of an exit strategy, but surely thinking about your future now, you'd be thinking, right, how many years have I got left in the game? What do I want to do? What do I want to achieve? Do I want to be the undisputed champion of the world? Will I have an opportunity to do that? Yes. So why not take the money? That that could be a thought process there. The other thought process is, no, I want to be the three-time world heavyweight champion. I want to equal the record of Muhammad Ali. I want to be known and go down in the history books like a Muhammad Ali by doing something like that, by going back and proving that he's the better fighter the second time round by fighting Usyk. Because inevitably, you could end up fighting him anyway if if Usyk beats Fury. Do you know, that that's the thing. Yeah. It's that, and, and obviously, you pointed out what, what I haven't mentioned yet, which is the fact that what does he do in the interim? If he steps aside, who does he fight next? Who does he take a fight against? Dillian White, does he fight him next? Because it's, it's a dangerous fight for him. It's a dangerous fight. Does he take that fight or does he look at an alternative route? Does he look at somebody else? Is there is there a takeover fight for him that will still put 80,000 bums on seats at Wembley Stadium? Is, is there people out there? Yeah, of course there is. A fight with Wilder, could that happen? I mean, not, let's not forget about him. I know he's been beaten by Fury, but let's not forget he's still there. He's not retired. He's still got the ambition, by the sounds of it, by the sounds of his own words, to come back again and prove himself once again. So that fight that could have made £50 million three years ago might not make as much now, but still could be a big fight in the interim if an undisputed clash happens. There's a lot to think about, and I think in the next week we will 
hopefully get a bit more of a clearer picture as to how this will play out this year because these decisions over this next week will tell us what the landscape of the heavyweight division will be potentially by the end of 2022. So it's quite it's quite exciting. It's quite an anxious week, I suppose, as a boxing fan, you know, because what do you want to see? Do you want an undisputed title clash? I think the dream has always been to see one heavyweight champion. If, if I'm speaking from a personal perspective, from a fan perspective, not taking into account £15 million or anything like that, I want to see an undisputed heavyweight title clash. And to be honest, I don't care which fighter it is that's in it, as long as we see it. That's what I want to yeah. see. I want to see someone ultimately hold all the belts and then someone challenge that fighter for all the belts. It won't always stay that way. But even if for one moment in time that we get that, I'd be happy as a boxing fan. I could probably die happy as a boxing fan because I've got to have seen <laughs> I've got to have seen one undisputed heavyweight champion. I mean, it happened in the cruiserweight division. Usyk did it there. Josh Taylor has done it in the super lightweight division. Do you know why? Why can't this happen now in the heavyweight division? In in the division of boxing, why can't it happen? It can. That, that's personally what I want to see. I don't know if you're the same. I don't know if you would rather see a different option. How how do you want to see this play out? I'm the same. I, I do want to see one champion. So Usyk and, and Tyson Fury would be the fight, really. And, and it is interesting because Anthony Joshua is in, in an unusual position because he can accept the money. And it, I'm sure within that contract, it will specify that he will then take the winner of Fury and Usyk. Now, the other problem is, which is one thing that we probably did mention in, in the wish, wish list show was the, the the rematch contracts and the rematch clauses are delaying all of these fights, aren't they? There's so many rematch clauses in place. Everybody has one. And it's a backup plan. You absolutely need it. But then it prolongs other fights from happening. So if Usyk and Fury fought, would it just be, because it's a big fight, would they be welcoming a, a contract that says win lose or draw, because that could happen as well. There, again, I mean, what would, this, what would the contract specify as if it was a draw and Joshua needs to fight the winner? Who does he fight? So there's, 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 it, the contract would be crazy because you're guaranteed to fight the winner in a contract with your 15 million step-aside money, and then you could have another fight in the interim. Say he does fight Wilder and White, but why would they want to fight Joshua? Because if they beat him, Joshua still gets the shot anyway because it's a contract in place. So that's the other side of things. So would they actually really be interested in taking a risk with not really any reward for him? So Joshua almost, by not holding any of the titles because he has a contract for a rematch in place... He holds the cards, really. Whatever he decides happens, unless Fury and White fresh out a contract. Then Usyk, his, his camp of Turkman, has said, if the Fury fights off the table, then it will be Joshua. So it's almost like Joshua holds the cards, and it, and it depends on his purse bids that are coming up. So I would ideally like to see um, an, an undisputed fight, but the problem is, is... Yeah, I don't know. It, will we actually get to see one? We've had we've had it before with uh, Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield, and and they fought for it. And then their first fight had the mad controversial card. End up in a draw. <laughs> could could that happen? I mean, it could do. It's it's, it's not impossible. So, 
yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I would I would like to see Fury White though. So Usyk Joshua makes sense, and then there has to be a contract in place, surely that whoever wins those fights will finally fight for the undisputed. I think that's probably the only way it's probably going to go, unless Joshua takes that money. On a side note, completely away from the step aside money conversation and debate, obviously there's talk of Tyson Fury doing another crossover this time to look at fighting Francis Ngannou yeah. from the UFC, the current UFC heavyweight champion, got a victory over the over the weekend. He's just had his final fight on his contract with the UFC. Where does he go next? I mean, there's a lot of talk between the two of them about a potential fight happening. Will that happen? I mean, is that something that'll happen this year? Is it something that'll happen next year? Or is it just a little bit of social media smoke? It, it just it, it makes it interesting because Fury has obviously had this transition where he's he's, he's been a part of WWE for a short period of time and, and and been and competed there. Now obviously we know it's orchestrated, we know what it is, but he still took money and he's still been a bit of a draw to them. So you know the bo- heavyweight boxing champion of the world fighting the UFC MMA champion of the world. It's a it's a big draw. You mean remember obviously Mayweather McGregor was everyone was like, well, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But it made a shitload of money. Do you know the the press conferences yep. were entertaining? The the tour was entertaining. Yeah, we knew the fight was probably going to go one way, and it did. But that that's not to say it can't happen again. And and, and obviously Tyson Fury's talking about fighting Garnu and saying he wants to beat him, and he thinks he can beat him like he thinks he can beat everybody, of course, and. They're saying Ngannou hits harder than Wilder and he'd knock Tyson Fury down and he wouldn't get up. So it, it obviously poses a lot of questions as to whether this would be something that could completely shock us out of the blue and happen at some point of this year. Again, we've we've not really had much conversations about crossover fights, but what are your thoughts on a potential crossover fight between these two? I think if um, if it happens, then it there wouldn't, there shouldn't be a title on the line because I don't see why this guy should cross over to boxing and fight for the WBC heavyweight title on his, what would it be, his first professional boxing fight. Whether he's got, whether he's done it in another field or not, that is unfair to the likes of Dillian White. Obviously, we're going to know what happens with this situation with the purse bids and how this goes. But, you know, if, if he forfeits that fight, then he sort of forfeits his right. And I suppose then does Tyson Fury have the obligation to fight his own opponent? So if he if he targeted that and he decided, yeah, okay, I'm going to fight this guy, is there not a sort of within the rules where you have to fight like a top 10 ranking fighter as well? I, I think I um, think with that, Johnson, I think it'd be an exhibition. If yeah. I'm being honest, I think it'd only it, be... It'd have to be. Yeah, it would, there wouldn't yeah. be no titles on the line. There's no possible way they could okay. do it. So I, I think yeah. Yeah, I think with something like that, I think you're expecting it to be... a one-off. Be, yeah, of course. It'd be like Mayweather McGregor, but the same thing. It'll be an exhibition. Right. It'll be an agreed amount of rounds. Uh, and it'll be a, agreed a set amount of weight in the gloves and all the rest of it. I don't think it'll be anything more than that. I, I don't think that's even logically possible, like you say, to to do something like that. So I think if this does happen, it'll just be an exhibition in the interim uh, if it was to happen this year. But I suppose, you know, thinking about it from a business perspective, if Tyson Fury doesn't get the fights that he wants to get or something doesn't go the way it needs to go, as we've just been talking about for the past 20 minutes, like... This is another option for him to make money on, really, because yep. I, I get the feeling he he is all about that now. I get the feeling whilst he 
I think he's got one or two fights left in him as a boxer. I still think he's he's thinking about his his future after boxing already, and he's already got like one eye on the future, and he's 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 looking at challenging the UFC heavyweight champion, and he's talk of him going back to WWE again for an appearance. So he's clearly thinking about what the what future lies ahead for him once boxing's over. It's, it's quite obvious, you know. He's thirty what thirty two, thirty three now. So I think there's maybe one or two fights left in him. And after that, then that's that, that's it. Boxing's done. What do you do after boxing? Do you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of these a lot of these fighters they don't always have this, this plan in place, do they? And guys like Tyson Fury have got this this star power, this pulling power, this charisma. If he was to transition this over and have these exhibitions and and be a part of WWE in whatever capacity it was, he's obviously just putting himself out there for for the future after boxing is dead and gone kind of thing that's the way i see it anyway that's the only way i'm kind of perceiving it at the moment i'm not saying it's going to be the case uh, and that's the way he is thinking but I'm, i can kind of see what he's looking at at the moment it's like he's looking at his future and thinking right i've only got maybe two or three years left in boxing so what i'm going to do is set myself up with all these different pots of money <laughs> to be able to get involved in while they're still there while he's still relevant in the sport while he's still a big name in the sport because as we know once these guys have retired and, and if they don't do anything after they've retired some of them just fade off into the shadows maybe they stay retired maybe they just keep the money and, and do what they're doing in, in their own lives but then some of them can just completely fade into obscurity and we don't hear about him for years so I think he's just kind of thinking yeah. of taking the opportunity to get as much money as he can while everything is still relevant and he is classed as the best heavyweight in the world. And and for that, I wouldn't blame him from a business perspective. But if he was to take this as an exhibition fight at some point this year, would I be, would I be gutted about it? No, I'd be intrigued to see. It could be a big no-no. It could really ruin his reputation if Ngannou was to knock him out, like what Wilder couldn't do. He could put him down, but he couldn't keep him down. What if Ngannou was... To do that, you know, how much does that then tarnish Fury's reputation? So there's still a risk there. I think the difference between this and Mayweather McGregor was that Mayweather was obviously retired. Mayweather, you know, wasn't active in the sport anymore. Fury is. Fury is still a WBC champion. He'd really, I think, lose a lot of reputation if he was to, to lose to a guy at his own sport. I would. I mean, he'd probably... The one thing he, I think he'd get more respect for is if he stepped into a, into the octagon and tried to challenge it that way. If he wanted to do something like that, but maybe slightly change the rules where it's not an absolute UFC fight, but it's in the cage and it's stand-up fight, but maybe you can do a bit of clinching as well. You know, something along those lines. For me personally, I think it is something that he probably should be looking at in once he's done what he needs to do in the game. He's still here. He's still active. As you say, he's only got a couple of years. Don't be wasting your time going into a different field or fighting someone that really doesn't give him anything else other than more money. And it does. Okay, the crossovers there with the UFC and boxing, you're going to get the UFC fans. It'd probably be a big deal amongst the the both sets of fans. Uh, And it brings them all together. So it's going to obviously generate huge interest. It's not something I like i'm not a ufc fan i don't know too much about the other guy to be honest with you just that he's become a potential opponent for tyson fury ideally fight white fight who's or fight joshua get all this done if you're the best beat him beat him do what you got to do you know dillian white for all the, the talk about him is he gonna he wants more money is he right to hold out for more money 
I think he, he is. I think an 80-20 is a bit harsh. But, you know, if it goes to purse bids, by the sounds of it, he's going to get a better deal from it. So I'm, I'm, my expectation is is that Dillian White will reap the rewards by going to a purse bid because he'll earn more money from it because, you know, it, it's an open field. And who's going to outbid who? And how much money are they going to put on the table? By the sounds of it, Eddie Owen's going to put quite a considerable amount of money forward. Then will Frank Warren or Bob Arum or anyone else for that matter step in and, and pay more in that, what it's going to do is if Eddie if if Eddie wins the bid, then White's going to earn more money than he's been offered. So I, I think it will be Dillian White and Tyson Fury. I do think that fight's going to happen. And then I think from that moment, you're going to see Usyk and Joshua. I think that's where it goes. And yeah, we'll, and, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, as we've already mentioned in our whistling show, hopefully we can finally have an undisputed champion by the end of the year. I mean, that'd be great. And also, to see Tyson Fury in England against Dillian White, another English fighter, in in Old Trafford, say, would be brilliant for, for Tyson Fury. He hasn't had that before. He's never been in a massive arena like that. And that'd be great for the fans, and he would sell it. So, you know, Dillian White and Tyson Fury is a big enough fight to sell out a stadium like Old Trafford. It's a no-brainer. They can have a massive stadium fight. You've got another stadium fight in Joshua Usyk, and then you've got another stadium fight, probably at Wembley for Undisputed. I we'll mean, it, it all makes sense to me, Sean. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's we'll not see. easy, is it? Well, no, it's not. We know the politics of it. I think everybody that listens to us, that, that follows the sport, knows the politics just cause a lot of the problems a lot of the time so we'll just have to wait and see i just felt like it was something we needed to talk about given the news that has happened and some of that we you know wanted to put our opinions on air about because a lot of people are doing the same you know a lot of people are talking about it so why not join in and talk about it and give our thoughts and feelings on it oh before we get into any more news and any more conversations about other fighters i want to talk about gary russell jr the most inactive world champion of all time or former world champion, should I say, as he lost his WBC title against Mark Magsayo over the weekend. And it brought an end to boxing's longest world title reign. Gary Russell Jr. has been disappointing, to say the least, over the past few years. Not because of his talent, but because of his inactivity. And his, for me, his inactivity has, has really not helped. And I know he got injured. I know, I know there was an injury in the fight, and I know that when he, he he was throwing a punch, he injured a tendon in his right shoulder. Uh, not just injured it, but torn it. And that's caused him to fight, basically, with, with one hand for the rest of the fight. And that people still felt like he somehow should have won the fight, but Magsayo got the decision, got the victory, and comes away the WBC champion now. But I suppose the focus is more on Gary Russell Jr., him being the talented fighter that he is, seemingly fighting with one arm for the remainder of the eight rounds left of that particular fight. I'm just wondering, like, does does inactivity play a part? Is it just a one-off occasion where he was just unfortunate? I don't, I don't know how to take this. I mean... I think a lot of my logical part of my brain is saying, look, it's just a one-off incident. It's an injury. It happens. It can happen at any point, at any time, in any fight. And this has happened to him. Now, it's about how he 
bounces back from that? Does he go straight into a rematch? Was there a rematch clause in the contract for it? Will he fight again this year? <laughs> I suppose that's the biggest question because he's like fighting once a year. What what did you make of the whole scenario? Is it just a, an unfortunate incident for him and, and he's brave for doing what he did? And, you know, do you even think he was in with a sniff of winning that fight? Well, the, without a doubt, the injury clearly it made a difference on the fight and whole complexion of the fight. He was unable to throw the right hand. And uh, Magsayo, to be fair, he didn't really take advantage. I don't feel feel like he did. He did enough to win the fight. And uh, Russell Jr., he obviously believes he he did. Um, I think he I think he said something crazy like, um, I won 10 rounds to two, which is complete nonsense. He hurt his eye. He, he showed he's pulled the tendon. He did say that it's an old injury as well, something from back in 2015 I believe and it's returned uh, he said he got injured in training and then didn't want to make an excuse so he took the fight anyway and then thought he'd get through it and then the tendon went in the right shoulder in the fourth and then he was unable to really get going and, and the injury made a massive impact on the decision of the fight that being said you know he lost it and the the frustrating thing with Gary, Gary Russell Jr., as we've always mentioned, I think we mentioned it on many shows, is his inactivity. You know, this fighting once a year. Someone put the question to him, why do you only fight once a year? Is it a health reason or for what reason is it? And he just said that no one wants to fight me. That's That was his reasoning behind it. So he's just fought whatever the WBC gave him, whatever mandatory it was he took on the mandatory because he couldn't get unification fights. No one ever wanted to fight him. So... Look, it's a shame because he's got he had great he's got great talent. I mean, he's an older lad now, but he's still got something. It's just such a shame that he's it takes him so long to want to fight with whatever the decisions are. You you got to be more active than once a year, and you know he's getting his money and he's that's what he's done for the last seven years. But that's such a great question. Is he going to want to? come out again this year hopefully he does hopefully he wants to and hopefully there is a rematch clause in place i believe i believe there is um but it may come down to what mugsayo does um so look i'm sort of pleased he lost because we might see him again this year and hopefully we'll see him (laughs) in better condition and and it'll be a better fight (laughs) well there is that isn't there i mean mugsayo that's now 24 and all for him you know he's he's i've i've been following him for quite a while and, right. and, the, and the biggest talking point about Magasayo is he is the protege of Manny Pacquiao you know he's a Filipino he's, he's, he's idolised Manny Pacquiao he's looked up to him he's trained with him he's done all them bits with him Manny Pacquiao has been mentoring him and you know you could kind of see elements of it in that particular fight you know there was a bit of Manny Pacquiao to him for me in that I kind of looked at him and, and thought, you know, this is he's not Manny Pacquiao, but you can see where he's got his influence from, as in Manny Pacquiao. So it's like, this guy, is, I'm not saying he's the second coming of him, but he might be a breath of fresh air for the division, in the sense that now it might open bigger fights up, because Gary Russell's saying that nobody wants to fight him in the division, nobody wants to get in the ring with him, but he's fighting, you know, once a year, sometimes more than, you know, less than once a year. It's, it's like, yeah. you look at his past few fights... You know, over the past four or five years, he's he's not really fought the greatest of fighters. I mean, Jojo Diaz was probably his, his best fight in 2018. Kiko Martinez, 2019. Um, then you got Bea last last time out, which was February 2020. So that's practically two years. You know, I'm looking at it now and I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to remember it all. And I'm thinking, bloody hell, yeah, actually, 
you know, really, he's not had the best fighters, has he? When you think about it, he's not had the best guys right. out there. And then you look at look at who's around now. The the alternative fight for me would be Navarrete. I would have liked to have seen him fight Navarrete, but now Magsayo's put himself in prime position for the fight with Navarrete, which I think would be a, a great fight because Navarrete's got the WBO version of the featherweight title. So that would be uh, a good fight to unify those two titles. Then you've obviously got Michael Conlon and you've got Lee Wood fighting soon as well for the WBA. So you don't know where this landscape's going to take us. We might even see the winner of that fight between Wood and Conlon go on to fight a Magsayo or a Navarrete or even a Russell Jr. We just don't know where Russell's going to go. I just think it's really disappointing, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I know he's saying nobody wants to fight him, but you look down the rankings and there's quite a decent amount of fighters within the division that he could have gone and took on. Whether even offers were sent to any of them, I do not know. I don't know the politics of it. I'll be totally honest. I would like to think if I was in his position, I'd be wanting to fight at least twice a year, not once a year. I think the guys that get the luxury of doing that are the guys that like uh, are the real big money makers of the sport. You know, the likes of Joshua, the likes of Fury, the likes of Wilder. These are the types of guys that are fighting once a year. The likes of the Lomachenkos. I mean, Canelo is probably a really good example of, of a champion who just fights, what, two to three times a year? I mean, he's probably the perfect yeah. example of what I expect a fighting champion to be. And for all for all the shit that people have given Canelo in the past, at least he's fighting. At least he's getting in the ring and he's fighting high-quality opponents, the best of the division. And then he's moving on. And it's 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 a, it's a nice talking point because it leads nicely into a conversation about Canelo's next move and the fact that Joe Smith Jr. won his fight uh, over a week ago. He was supposed to fight Callum Johnson, which I was really looking forward to. Instead, he took on the replacement uh, and fighter with the name of Stefan Jeffard, who sounded like Stephen Gerrard. I know all UK fight fans were all taking the piss a little bit. We we're all like, oh, Stevie, Stevie Gerrard's going to fight Joe Smith Jr. But really, though, on a serious note, they're talking about Joe Smith Jr. being a potential opponent. For Canelo, I mean, they've spoke, they spoke about Makabu, they've spoke about Baturbiev, they've, they've spoke about Charlo, they spoke about Benavidez, we spoke about Benavidez in, in our wish list for Canelo, but Joe Smith Jr. would kind of make sense if he's to go back up to light heavyweight and win a light heavyweight title. I mean, he beat Kovalev, didn't he? He beat Kovalev for the same title. If he goes back up yep. and fights Joe Smith Jr., he could win that same title back again against Joe Smith Jr., which I'd find... Again, quite intriguing because he's moving between the weights yet again. He's becoming a two-time light heavyweight champion if he was to fight and beat Joe Smith Jr. And Joe Smith Jr., with all due respect to him, is probably classed as the weakest champion of the division. So you'd rather see Canelo fight him than you'd see him fight Abiturbiev. I mean, Bivol was used to be a super middleweight. That's not out of the realms of possibility for Canelo in terms of him moving up. But I think there's some good fights out there for him. Joe Smith Jr. wouldn't be out of the question, without a shadow of a doubt. And does he deserve a fight with Joe Smith Jr.? Some people might say no, because it's Callum Johnson that should be taking that. But when a Canelo comes along like that, I'm pretty sure the people that are making these fights, that are making this money on these fights, they're not going to put Callum Johnson in there. They're going to put Canelo in there, because he's the one that's going to put the bums on seats, isn't he? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's the, he's the draw, isn't he? And he is the one, as we meant again, we spoke about. And I wish this is just he's spread across those four divisions. And at the minute, he's he's being a, a talking point in the cruiserweight division because obviously Makabu is the other guy that he potentially has put down in place to fight. He's been penciled in. So you got Makabu, you got Smith Junior, and then you've got. A Bivol, I suppose, is a potential. I mean, Baterviev is a guy that I don't believe Keleno has any right. I, I mean, if he if he fought Baterviev and and went on to beat him, then I'd be like, wow, uh, that that. I mean, we keep saying it with every fight he has that just cement his legacy if he wins that, and and he he has established himself as as a modern great. And the funny thing is, I actually did recently uh, read something that uh, a few people. Did, Apparently, I, we never knew. That. I didn't know this. I don't know if you did, but people actually referred to Billy Joe Saunders and Callum Smith and Caleb Plant as paper champions, and they weren't legitimate fighters for Keleno to be fighting. And and the legitimate fighters out there now are the Benavidezes and and Beterviev. Um And yeah, I, I was actually really surprised to find that some people. Didn't, don't actually rate Callum Smith. They don't actually rate Billy Joe Saunders. So them victories and the plant victory, for us, we believe, is fantastic performances from Canelo. And he's proven again that he wants to remain active against the best fighters around. But apparently some people don't believe that. Some people perceive those three guys that I mentioned there as weak links, which is uh, way... Uh, blew my mind. I can't believe that. But um, I suppose, you know, some people wrote, you know, it's their own faults. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confused to see how uh, David Benavidez was a, a bigger a bigger name than those, any of those three. I, I, I really just completely threw me off a track. And I thought maybe we just don't know what we're talking about, Sean. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, some, but some people think let, that. Let's, oh, mate, let's be honest. Um what Canelo's done is is better than what many have. I mean, people want to blow smoke up Tyson Fury's eyes. You know, let's just be critically clear here is he hasn't fought... I mean, he's fought Wilder. And people will always say that Wilder is the second-placed fighter in the heavyweight ranks. I mean, we don't necessarily agree with that. We know that there's a lot of bullshit out there and people could listen to it if they like and accept it. It's not the truth. Let's be realistic. You know, when you look at Dillian White, he's having to jump through hoops, fighting better fighters um, and losing fights along the way. Um, going to war with Derek Chisora. Not even Tyson Fury wanted to go to war with Derek Chisora. He just outboxed him because he knew that if he hit him, chances are he might go down. Look, the, the fact is, is Canelo is one of the best and Joshua holds something in a division. People might not want to agree with it, but that's the truth. And Canelo can... It literally is whatever he wants to do. Uh, where do we sing? Oh, I would love him to fight Baterviev. I would. If he fought Baterviev at light heavyweight and he got a victory, I'd be absolutely amazed. That would be astonishing. It, that would that would be a bigger win than if he fought Macabre at cruiserweight for me because I yeah, think right. that's a bit cherry-picking. But either way, I mean, what what it is... No matter how much I hate to say it because of the drug issue of Canelo, and I can't seem to get past it, but... Slowly, he has changed changed me back on side. You know, there is no one better than him. There really isn't. When you watch him as well, he's he's amazing to watch. And I just hope he does continue this trait of fighting all the best fighters, which we believe are the best fighters, by the way. I'm, I'm shocked that some people don't. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's probably a lot of the American-based journalists or podcasters, to be honest with you, that they don't educate themselves well enough when it comes down to a lot of the Brits that have been world champions. Billy Joe Saunders, champion at middleweight, champion at super middleweight. Okay, you know, some of his fights that he had were, were questionable. Well, that doesn't make him a shit fighter. That doesn't make him not elite enough to fight Canelo. The same with Callum Smith. He won the World Boxing Super Series tournament against George Groves who was a world champion. I mean, what else do you want the guy yeah. to do to be to be labelled as a credible threat to Canelo Alvarez? What have these guys got to do to be that? I mean, that, that it does annoy me when, when people do make them <laughs> yeah. comments because I kind of feel like they probably are American journalists and I'm not knocking all American journalists, but there are some of them out there and you see them and you know exactly who they are and you see it on social media. They will do anything for a like or a retweet or a clickbait YouTube video, they'll do absolutely anything to get the views in. So if it means saying something controversial, and that's exactly what they do, and maybe we should do a bit more of it. <laughs> maybe we should say something controversial. <laughs> maybe maybe more people will look at us and go, oh, bloody hell, what's this all about? I mean, I like to think we keep it as, as realistic as we possibly can. I mean, sometimes there might be a few far-fetched comments from ourselves, and that's more that's more us fantasizing and wishing than anything else. But yeah, I, I think that's just that's just horse shit, to be honest with you. Like some of these, <laughs> it's just some of these comments, some of these comments and stuff that comes out there. It's it's sometimes the the, the bane of social media. It's why it puts me off it because you see this stuff and you think, what the hell are you talking about? And people might even think this about us, but you know what? People listen, people enjoy. That's all that matters to me. So I I, I don't care if you if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. It it is what it is. Moving swiftly on then, <laughs> moving swiftly on to uh, a completely different topic, uh, going to more more conversations about more fights that need to happen. Uh, Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, another, another, <laughs> I'm going to compare it to some, some big fights here. Another fight like a Mayweather-Pacquiao, a, a Khan versus Brooke, you know, these fights that should have happened years ago. This is in danger of becoming one of them for me. That's the first thing I'm going to say. The amount of times these two are having spats on social media, and they're at it again in this past week talking about it. I think Clarissa Shields just needs to put up or shut up now. I think that that's my opinion. She's quite a highly opinionated fighter on social media. She's always got something to say. She's she's always playing the race card all the time as well on social media, which kind of annoys me. Look, if you're the greatest woman of all time, love, then what you need to do is you need to stop talking shit on social media and start signing contracts and, and prove that you are the greatest woman of all time. You know, Savannah Marshall responded this week by saying, you're fighting somebody who refused to fight me three times. So what does that say about her? Savannah Marshall's on the undercard of Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams. Do you know, like, if she really wants this fight, just get it signed. Just get it signed. Stop talking about it. Like, she's saying there's bigger fights out there for her. Yeah, there probably is some big fights out there for her. Clarissa Shields, Katie Taylor at some sort of catchweight. It's a huge mega fight for, for the female side of the sport. Absolutely. But Savannah Marshall needs this fight as much as Clarissa Shields needs the fight with Savannah Marshall, in my opinion. Like, there's history between them. You know, she's the only one that's handed her a loss in the professional... Well, not in the professional side of boxing, but the amateur side of boxing. But she's the only one that's ever handed her a loss in boxing. So, for me, you know, why not get in the ring and, and avenge this loss if you're Clarissa Shields? Money can be made. That that fight could headline 
a pay-per-view card with a good solid undercard with it. Why can't it be me? I don't understand why I, you know, there's a lot of talk between the two of them, but nothing ever happens. And the amount of time I've seen him together at shows backstage or interviews and, you know, people are interviewing him. They're doing, again, the clickbait YouTube videos for the fight and nothing ever comes of it. And it's so frustrating because I feel like it's another one of them fights that's just going to, it's going to marinate for way too long. And, they're going to end up being past the best when they fight each other, much like Khan and Brook when they fight each other in a few weeks' time. Do you know, this is this is what frustrates me about the sport at times. Like, this is one of the biggest female fights for me. Perceive that how you will, but it is. You know, both have got high-quality skill levels. Both have, have, have proven that they are world-level operators. Clarissa Shields, obviously, you know, undisputed champion at middleweight. She's got a lot more... A lot more marbles, a lot more ammunition to say she's the bigger draw. Of course, I understand that when it comes to the business sense of it. But how do you know you're the greatest woman of all time if you're not taking on the greatest challenges that are out there? It's the same conversation that we've been having at the heavyweight level. You need to have these. You need to have these fights with the best opposition. Take a leave out of Canelo's book. Fight whoever is the best at, or considered to be the best of the division, and then dispatch of them, and then put that claim that you are the greatest woman of all time. That's what I say. That's, that's my theory. That's my opinion. What do you think? I am on the same lines as you, Sean. I, I, you know, I, I get the social media platform to build fights and stuff, and and you know, you can't doubt what Clarissa Shields has done is is a, a great achievement. But with some of the stuff that she does come out with, and and to be fair, you know, when she was an amateur fighter, and I used to, I see a couple of interviews of her. She seemed quite like a nice, nice girl. Um, she seemed to be grounded, and she seemed to want. She was on a mission to to really be a big star. And I, I just, I'm, I'm a bit like you, where I've, I've, I'm not really a fan of hers anymore. I don't like some of the stuff she says. I don't like the the person she perceives herself to be. Like you say, she says she's the best. Yes, she's an undisputed champion she's done some great things but you know sometimes i think she just uses those as a platform on social media to just prove her statistics and and you find that those that follow fighters i mean these you got to think today social media people actually follow these people and then they will listen to the stuff they say and they will take it on board and they can actually have a significant impact on their lives now it's incredible but that's where social media goes and where a fighter themselves can give you statistics and say to you, do you know what, I am the best fighter because I've done this, that and the other. When in actual fact, it's not always the case. You've got to look at who you've fought and who you haven't fought as well. Yes, she's done great things, but she needs to fight Savannah Marshall. She can't just... You, these these spats are funny. I mean, it's like you're a bum and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to smoke you next and I'll whoop her ass and <laughs> you've got pillar fists. I mean, it's funny. But look, I, I just think, just just put up and shut up. I mean, um, just going off, off topic here, but Neil Waldock, I remember I was listening to him the other day and he was talking about um, how when he was at a club once and, and and someone was trying to tell him to sign this defender and he's giving him all the, sta- all the stats to say he's blocked crosses, look how many crosses he's blocked, look how many times he's made this tackle because it was a stats-driven thing. But he actually turned around and said, but he can't defend. Now, that is... I know it might sound crazy because stats do back up some sort of perspective of a sports person, but it's not always the case. You know, you can have all these titles, all these alphabet titles, but who are you actually beating? 
And I think, you know, that is, you've got to look beyond those stats. And, and she will put it forward on social media that, you know, I'm the best. She's done great things. I'm not knocking it. But just fight a girl. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make, that a lot of fighters are doing that. She's almost following that Mayweather blueprint. I think a lot of fighters do that. And I think she's, the, she's like the female. She's turning into the female version of him. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think she, she is definitely using her status as the platform yeah. to be able to spout that sort of stuff out there. It's a shame, to be honest with you. It's a shame that she's kind of going down this route. I mean, it might just be the persona, the persona she wants to be, the pantomime villain. She wants to be that. Maybe that's that's all it is. She wants to be the baddie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe. Mayweather, Mayweather made a career out of it, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? So he made a career yeah. out of being the bad guy or being the, the irritator, the antagonist, whatever you want to label it. And she's just being exactly that. But she's not having the fight. She's not fighting the right people to back up that claim. That's the problem. Do you know, like, when you look at the legacy of it, you look back in 10 years' time and say, oh, Clarissa Shields, was she really the greatest female fighter of all time? Well, at this moment in time, she's not She's not going to be. Katie Taylor at the moment probably probably goes right up there. And then you look at the depths of history of, of female boxing, and there's other fighters in there you've got to consider as well, of course. she needs to She needs to back it up. Now, she really does. And Savannah Marshall is happily take that fight. She said it multiple times. She'd happily take the fight. She wants the fight. She's not backing out of the fight. I can't say for sure. I'm not in Savannah's mind to say, yeah, she definitely wants it. But every interview that she's had, every conversation she's had, even conversations that I've been around and I've been privy to myself, she wants a fight. She want, That fight is, is, has always been a destination for her. So that's That's her way, you know. Clarissa Shields will love me saying this if she ever heard it, but Clarissa Shields is the path for Savannah Marshall's greatness. She needs to beat Clarissa Shields to be considered to be a great of the of the female side of the sport and fulfil her potential. So they need each other. Yep. So that's the thing. They do need they do. each other for, for different reasons. So I do want to see Whether they fight. want to admit it or not. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. So I, I want to see it. I want to see it happen. I just fear it's going to be another one of those fights that just gets marinated too long or never happens you know it'll be gutted be gutted if it doesn't happen because it'll be a real disappointment um there has been talks separately of another fight in the female division he's i don't think it's been fully signed yet but there's a lot of posters going around whether they're fan made i'm not i'm not 100 sure but taylor and serrano on april the 30th is supposed to be happening but again when i i sent you an image of it that i seen that looks like <laughs> yeah. it come from a legit source but now I'm also reading in the same breath is that actually, you know, it's not a done deal, but it looks likely to be the case. And then that's a fight on our wish list. That's the fight we said we wanted. So if that does come to fruition, and that's a great fight for the year, that, that again puts the landscape of, of female boxing right up there and it, and it changes the landscape and it opens up opportunities for, for other fighters once that fight has taken place. That'll be that'll be a really interesting one if that if that is to take place. But again, because it's all talk at the moment, I don't want to dwell on it too much until we know something definitive. But I just wanted to put it out there that yeah. you know, obviously that's a potential that that's going to happen if it does get fully signed, sealed, and delivered. Then I'll have more of a conversation about it. Uh, the only one other thing I wanted to bring to the table for this episode was the ongoing saga regarding the IBF and back to the heavyweight division again. So we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago about Philippe Hergovic fighting Tony Yoka. Now that fight's now seemingly dead in the water again because of the fact that Tony Yoka was contracted to fight Martin Bacoli. 
Now, Martin Bacoli, on our shows, as we know, is, is guided by Billy Nelson and has been establishing himself back up the heavyweight rankings and, and ha- has had some really good wins as of the last couple of years. He's put himself in a position to fight Tony Yoka. Philippe Hergovic has then come along and, and looked down the rankings and his team have said, right, we need to pick this fight. People apparently are rejecting the fight. People like Joseph Parker are saying no to the fight. So the next person that said yeah was Tony Yoka. Now that Martin Bacola has got a sniff of that and his team have got a sniff of that, rightfully so, you know, they've put an objection in and saying, well, hang on a minute, we've got a contract already in place to fight Tony Yoka. So, you know, this, this IBF eliminator shouldn't be happening. Again, it's just all boxing politics, isn't it? It's bullshit. It, it, these are the types... We want to yeah. see good fights. And I, either one of them fights are good fights for me. Joker and Bacoli or Joker and Hergovic are great fights. They really are great fights. And, and they are fights down the, the, the bottom end of the top 10 of heavyweights that we need to see. And I want to see them. But it just seems a bit of a... A bit of a mess yet again with with the politics being involved in it. I don't care which one of them fights happens personally. I want to see either one of them because I think the trio of fighters we've got there are all vying for a shot in the future at a heavyweight title. And to do that, they need to fight each other. It's as simple as that. So I want to do. I want to see them happen. And it, it sort of leads me nicely on as well. Just throwing another name into the mix. I just mentioned him a bit earlier, Johnson. Like. Joseph Park got that win over Derek Chisora. Where where does that leave him now in the landscape of the heavyweight division alongside the likes of Hergovic, Joker, Bacole, Joe Joyce was a, as a potential name that's being lined up for Parker as well. What do you think about these other fighters of the heavyweight division aside from the, the four names that we've discussed today? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, I mean, Derek Chisora is just, he's still thought of quite highly. Um, so Parker with that victory and it was a good performance from him um, for me personally it he's always sort of been that guy that is sort of tipping on that top four and then wilder is also i mean white um was that guy sort of white and parker were the same and then obviously white got the victory that was a good fight i mean if white if fig fouls for white and white doesn't fight tyson fury then i think the the parker fight is another good fight it was a good scrap their first one but for me parker he's sort of in that situation where he's a bit isolated now because he's not going to get a title shot because of all the, the crap that's going on amongst the, the four at the minute. He, I think he he's the sort of fighter that would have the bollocks to go fight a Wilder. And I think that would put a bit of perspective on where Joshua is and, and sort of what, what sort of gauge Joshua's victory. I know that, you know, styles make fights and you can't really look at one win over one fighter to say he's better than him. You know, I'm not necessarily doing that, but what I mean is just to see where Wilder and where Wilder is really after the Fury fights against someone like a Parker, because Parker can take a, a punch. You know, he really can. He's got a, he's got a solid chin and um, he's made improvements. And I think, you know, I think for him, I think he should be targeting like a Wilder or put himself forward against like an Andy Ruiz, who I know he's slipped off the radar a little bit, but he had a comeback fight last year. So he's another potential fight. They're the sort of guys I would say he should be looking at. I mean, everyone else, he's, he, I mean, he's got a decent resume. I mean, apart from, you know, he's lost, obviously, to to, to Joshua. But the junior far, he's won a bad, the, the, the one of the judges' cards was, ridiculous in that fight but he did win that fight um so you know he's fought white he's fought joshua he's fought chisora twice you know he's fought huey fury he has fought andy ruiz as well i know that would be a second fight if they fought again but people felt that andy ruiz had beaten parker in their first fight 
uh, when he won that WBO title. Uh, they're the sort of names I think. I think he should be going big. I think he should be going for a Wilder. I'm, whether Wilder would actually be interested or not, I'm not sure. But be just keeping an eye out on what happens with with the top four and just see if 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 one of them foul. Um, if Joshua takes the the, the uh, 15 million, what? Anthony Joshua as step aside money. Joshua could fight Parker in a rematch. That's a possibility as well. It's not a bad idea because you know he's a bit shorter. Maybe that could get Joshua to prepare for an Usyk fight if Usyk comes through Fury. But I'd say he needs to just wait to see if any of those four never fight. Whoever's left over, I'll try and pick up the pieces from that. Or like a Dillian White for me. Uh, but yeah, that, that, the whole landscape of all those. Like Hergovic and and Yoka, these guys, they've literally just got to bide their time, really, because again, like these, the rematch clauses are just just killing it. I mean, FA Jagbar, just randomly, I thought the other day, FA Jagbar, who's recently been defeated against Daniel Dubois, would be a great fight. You know, yeah. I thought that the other day. I thought because because they're both sort of in that that level of they've both lost poor fights and it would be a good one for him to get back obviously the loser is 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 in no man's land but adam konecki's another fight all of these guys that have sort of lost recently they could all fight each other charles martin um i know he got beat and then you got obviously um luis ortiz i think ortiz joe joyce it's so tricky isn't it sean because we want the undisputed but then once we've got it i suppose the first next thing you do is who's going to sort of retire and who's next in line um i mean the oldest of them all is Usyk. Usyk probably wants to get the, Josh, the Fury fight in, become an undisputed champion. I wouldn't be surprised if Usyk disappeared off the radar. He's done what he needed to do and moved on. <laughs> well, you talk about the oldest one, Luis Ortiz uh, was in a picture. Oh, sorry, yeah. Did, did you, did you, did <laughs> yeah, you see, I don't know. Did, yeah. Did you see that? Um, I see it on social media floating around, around his fight against Charles Martin in New Year. And it was a picture that someone had doctors, and it was a really old picture of Jack Johnson. And in the background, someone had photoshopped Luis Ortiz's head onto one of the other bodies <laughs> that was behind him. And they were talking about Luis Ortiz being that old. It just reminded me of it then. I just thought it was uh, it was hilarious. If you haven't seen it, go and go and check it out, people. It is actually pretty funny. It's it's, it's a good two second laugh once you've seen it. It's a typical Luis Ortiz meme. Uh, Johnston, there's only there's only one more topic that I wanted to discuss with you before we go and we call this an episode for everybody. Uh, it's just talking about the WBC rankings and the removal of certain fighters from their rankings because they didn't enroll into the VADA program. Connor Ben for us being the most prominent on that list, but Chris Billum Smith, Mario Barrios, Mauricio Lara, who beat Josh Warrington, and Lee McGregor were the other fighters that were removed from the WBC rankings because they'd not enrolled into the VADA program. Conor Ben has released a statement to talk about it, and he's talking about, you know, he is actually going into the to the enrolment for it, and that he's going to go through that process, but because he's failed to register for it, are we looking too much into that? Is it just a mistake on their team's part? Is it do they not want to go into VADA? Is there a specific reason? I know some people get a bit high rate about all this and they actually sit there and have their own conspiracy theories about, oh, is, is Conor Benner, you know, is he, is he a user fighter? Is he, is he taking drugs? Is that why his improvement's been so good? I mean, there's all these wild conspiracy theories. Is it, Or is it just a case of, you know, these guys haven't, done what they needed to do they failed to register for it so the wbc i've just said right well i'm going to take you out of the rankings until you do and when they do and when conor ben does reinstate himself into it he'll just be put back in the rankings again what did you make of all that yeah it's interesting because i don't really know the ins and outs of how you um so 
with these fighters, whether they they have to re-register or is there a time limit? Was it, I suppose the one thing I'd say is how, how much did they publicise it that they needed to do it? Because obviously if you've got fighters not signing up to it, it doesn't necessarily mean they're drug cheats. I just think that maybe it's it's, it's a fault of VADA as well as maybe the fighter themselves. Um, I don't know. It's a tricky one because I know the UCAD and then you've got VADA, which is... They, I mean, they're obviously different. Uh, they're the do- anti-doping agencies, but you've got the worldwide and you've got the UK. But there is a discrepancy with what's on either of those lists as well. I think that's always been a problem, and there are certain things on there that can relate to the minest of little things, like a paracetamol, believe it or not, or of, of that, or or some sort of. Um, you know, with with footballers, and I keep a second football analogy I've made, but where footballers will get an injection before a fight on a foot injury, there's certain elements of of that induced injection that would actually be on one of those anti-doping lists. So um, I'm not saying anyone is at fault, but I do think sometimes I think, I, I don't know if it's advertised well enough. I, I, I think it's a bit of a mixture of both. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I'm not going to jump to conclusions and say, do you know what? It's because he's doping. I know there is a problem in the sport. So I, I suppose it's literally just a matter of, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's cheating. I think if anything, if you come back and you've got a positive test, then I think then therefore you, 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 you're juicing. But I don't know. It's a, it's a really tricky one. It's a dodgy um, subject really for me because I, I don't like chug deep. I can't stand people that dope um, and cheat. Obviously, we hate that. It's not good for the sport. But you, there's got to be some sort of, something in place to stop it from happening so really he probably should have been on the ball more i'm not going to jump to conclusions that he's juicing yet or if he's juicing at all i just um yes yeah, it's, it's a tricky one i don't know i can understand why people get frustrated with it because you need to be better now. you need to be on the ball it's part of your the whole thing isn't it? it's a whole package making sure as a professional you do stuff like this yeah, absolutely. That that was my point, really. Uh, just bringing it up, bringing yeah. it to the attention. I'm sure many listeners, you know, you've already heard about it all. You, you've probably got your own thoughts. And, and I'm just really trying to provoke debate about it between us and our listeners and just wondering, like, if anybody's made anything more of it. I've not made too much of it personally. I just kind of felt like it's just a, an oversight on the part of the, the team of the fighters involved in particular. And I, I, I'm kind of not really concerned i don't think it doesn't make me think anything other than it's just a, a clerical error on on the part of the team yeah. and the fighters involved but i just thought it was it was a little bit of news that come out over the past week or so that we'd not had a chance to talk about so i thought i'd bring it there but that's it guys i think that, that's pretty much wraps up this this episode for now and i'm sure next week we'll have a big fight preview for the upcoming Liam Williams and Chris Eubank Jr. card along with more news by that point so we'll continue on with our discussion about the heavyweights once we know a little bit more but we will be previewing that fight as well and our career profiles podcast will be returning as well I know we've not put anything official out on social media yet I will do shortly but we wanted to make sure everything was all lined up before we do. We have mentioned it to a few people that have messaged us. We, you know, they've said when a career profile is coming back, and it's it is it's coming back. George Foreman's actually the first episode that we're going to bring back to you for the career profiles podcast. So really excited to get that back running again. Now, darker side of boxing's all said and done for for another ten months. We'll get career profiles back running, and I'm looking forward to bringing that episode out uh, in a, in a week or so's time. Fight fans, before I go. As always, please just go and check us out on social if you've not done already at BTR Boxing Pod 
on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Please do go and follow or subscribe on the necessary platforms if you don't already. And if you've not checked out our Patreon page, please do go and check that out. We have been bringing more episodes recently to the patrons. We've got a lot of content on there that has never been released. And we give them early access to all our content across the network. So if you're looking to get early access to these episodes that are being put out there if you're looking to get content that we've never released to the general public and you want to hear what episodes we've done and they're quite they're quite a few good ones out there in fact they're all pretty good i'm pretty proud of what we've put out there to be honest with you for the patrons if you do want to do that then go and check out the patreon page because there is a membership fee for doing so there is a minimum one there's a maximum one if you can support us in any way shape or form it would be very much appreciated so please do go and check it out at patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast patrons as always thank you for your support separately your support is allowing us to make the necessary changes to run all these different series i'm really appreciative of everything that you guys have, have done to support us but not just that our general listeners as well i know we talk about and we big the patrons up but you guys you are, are the backbone of this podcast you've been supporting us for a what, I think it's nearly five years this year, five years. Thank you for leaving us a review on Apple as well, and, and we appreciate you all so much. So, guys, that's it for this episode. We will be back for a big fight preview next week, and also please do check out Career Profiles. George Foreman will be out shortly as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Network.